of Scotland get independence? Can we send back the bagpipes? Answer me this, answer me this. Is a travel lodge shower any better than wet wipes? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. To pick up where we left off in last episode, talking about cake, Ian has written in to say... I bought a large bar of Kendall Mint Cake in the late 90s. It was a great vintage of Kendall Mint Cake, wasn't it? I mean, if I just listed everything I bought in the late 90s, we actually know I'll save that for a future episode. Yeah, really unflattering <laughs> trousers. Some some fake DMs that were from BHS and therefore were the least DME DMs you could possibly imagine. CDs for 15.99. Films on VHS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Enough of this 90s nostalgia, though. <gasps> Ian says, I kept my Kendall Mint Cake in my rucksack just in case I needed a sugar hit when out in the mountains. We moved to Australia and 16 years later found ourselves walking up in the Blue Mountains inland from Sydney. Very beautiful, I can confirm. It's a good cake shop, so you don't need this uh, Kendall Mint Cake. He says, It was a real slog down into the valley and several hours later, after having taken a wrong turn, we found ourselves at the foot of the massive cliffside vertical ladder route out. Terrifying. The only thing we had in the rucksack... I assume he means food rather than otherwise why I'd be carrying an empty rucksack, <laughs> was this battered, bent and slightly worn block of Kendall mint cake. Wow, after 16 years. Yeah. It tasted as you would have expected. Revolting. Sugar- sugary with a mint taste. I shit you not, the effect on our energy levels was surprisingly good and quick and we did manage to hike out. Yay! I reckon if it was not for the mint cake, we would have simply perished and end up as dingo fodder. Well, there you go. <laughs> mint cake saves lives. 16 years on... The mint cake finally comes into its own. Isn't that a beautiful story? Well, sort of. I mean, I could look at the same story from the perspective of, you know, cynicism that I was expressing in the last episode and say, this tells you everything you need to know about the taste of Kendall mint cake. It was in a rucksack for 16 years and at not one point were you even remotely tempted to eat the thing until (laughs) you thought you might die and there was literally nothing else to eat except your partner. (laughs) Or your own legs. (laughs) Apropos of foods that we don't particularly enjoy eating, every year I make a vast amount of gingerbread for my annual gingerbread day festivity in December. You know, I love gingerbread day, hate gingerbread. Yeah, I don't like gingerbread. That's why it's wise for someone like you to host a food party with gingerbread because you're not tempted to eat it all year. Not at all. But here's the thing, I've got some gingerbread dough I made in December in the fridge that I never got around to cooking because we had so much gingerbread. Uh It's still not gone off. What sorcery is in gingerbread? I made it myself. It's not full of preservatives or anything. When when the whole world explodes, all that will be left is your gingerbread. Respect the gingerbread. People will somehow try and clue together what our civilization was from that. Hello, uh, my name's Sam and I'm from Bristol. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Is there any nutritional difference between the different colour peppers? Because, uh, not really got any preference, but in a state of mild racism, I often find myself leaning more towards the red peppers. I actually have a strong preference. Yes. Strong preference for orange. I'm very oh. anti-green. I'm so anti-green. But, you know, you know, it's the same pepper, it's just the green one is picked when it's not ripe. And if oh. you leave it on the plant for longer, it becomes yellow, then orange, no. then red. <gasps> yes. Wow! Yes! Good fact! Yes. We are early in this episode for that kind of quality fact. <laughs> pepper facts! <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Curd surge last time, pepper facts this time. <laughs> stuff, stuff me with couscous and put me in the oven i'm done (laughs) (laughs) if you were to characterize the difference between the the flavor difference between those peppers how would it how would you characterize it why is a red pepper better than i'm not sure in a blind taste test i could taste the difference between yellow red and orange but Mm. i could Mm. taste green and what's the difference is is green the earliest stage yeah Yeah, it tastes like that it does less less flavorsome it's less sweet isn't it yeah yeah the skin is more of an annoyance yes so the texture is also less pleasant but yeah the taste is like one bitter 
Yes. And I think what it is as well is often I put a pepper into a salad to colourfy the salad as much as anything. But also so that you can eat a rainbow, which is meant to be a very nutritional thing to do. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Is that a fad diet thing or is that a real thing? I think that's a real thing. Okay. But not Skittles, that doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) And and not one of those uh, fruit pastels lollies. (laughs) But, um, you know, very often, obviously, the base of a salad, certainly in Western Europe, is is lettuce. Yes. And often cucumber and spring onion. Green is done. Yeah. So Mm. then I'm kind of thinking, right, I want orange. Yeah. That's why orange. Tomatoes are bringing the red. I'm quite pleased that orange is the same pepper. I'm pleased to know that because I, somewhere in the back of my mind, I was worried it seemed to me that green and red were natural, but orange might have been man intervened. You don't see as many oranges around. Mm. I wonder whether it's just quite a short picking season. Here's the thing. They bother picking the green ones that we don't like, mm. and presumably therefore no one likes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, I think they travel a bit better because they're firmer, because they're nastier. I presume they probably have a slightly longer life as well if they're yeah. babies. Yeah, yeah, if they're not ripe, then they're not going to go off as quickly, yeah. are they? Mm. So as, anyway, as an anti-green pepper person, I was delighted to find that they are less nutritious than hey! the other peppers. Yeah. They truly are pointless, aren't they? I imagine the reason then that they get sold in those weird multi-packs that you can buy in Sainsbury's. You know, you get green, yellow, red, I think, yeah, typically. traffic light of uh, peppers. Yeah, I think the reason they're sold like that is to sort of fob off the green one yeah. on the consumer because they must be, I assumed, cheaper for the supermarket. Yeah, it's like when your, your parents send you out, they're like, right, you can go and do this as long as you take your little sister with you. No, but mum! Well, then you can't go. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Obviously, this is not a familiar scenario to you, but as the youngest of three... Yeah. Is to me. No, I can understand that. I feel a bit sad that in that story Helen just told she was the green pepper. Oh God! She was the youngest. I'm, ah, the, I'm the red pepper. I'm unripe. I feel brilliant. I'm of less nutritional value. Ah. I'm a butternut squash, proud and alone. You're a butternut squash in a pepper's world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, they do all have roughly the same number of calories um, and the same amount of carbohydrate and protein and so on. So they're very nutritious food. But when it comes to vitamins. Uh, green peppers have much less than than yellow and red has more than all of the other colors of peppers so red's the best for red's you. the best interesting yes. red i would happily say is the funnest one yeah i mean i i prefer orange but i'm now i know that red's the best i might just go for red here's a question from trevor who says ollie answer me this why do some men gob in the pot before urinating Please explain this phenomenon to me, because as a woman, I do not know what this is. Gob in the pot. He's talking about when you're having a wee at a urinal, some men, I say some men, I do this. Right? Yeah. You look down and you spit before you have a wee. Have you ever done that? No. no. Why? Have you, ever, have you ever observed it happening? At have least? you no. ever urinated? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I've, I guess I, I must have seen men spitting. But maybe I just thought it was a good opportunity for them to clear their throats. Yes. Is it, it's not like a physics thing, is it? Well, uh, I don't know. I'll tell you my reasons, okay. and then you can tell me whether it's a physics thing. Okay. Um, I, I have two reasons for doing this, Trevor. Uh-huh. Um, and the two reasons are as follows. It's all right, it's fine. There's nothing weird about this. You like to leave your DNA wherever <laughs> you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm pleased to be demystifying this because I think it's quite simple. Um, and it's something that I developed intuitively. You know, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to partake in this gobbing in the pot phenomenon. I just thought, oh, I'm going to start on doing that this. Yeah, it's just something that I do naturally. <laughs> Gob on that bandwagon. Um, and I think, to me, this is this is the same as whether you um, uh, squeeze or shake at the end. It's just, right. it's 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 I a do both. Well, that's fine as well. It's very okay. thorough, you know, Martin. I think we're a broad church in Britain's pissing community. Um, uh, <laughs> Britain's pissing church. <laughs> Do- no, I'll go there. We'll go to the now, pissing church. Generally, I think the word community is totally misused, but that was one of the biggest misuses. <laughs> <laughs> since everyone pisses. Um, there are two reasons why I did. Reason the first, 
Uh, spitting almost anywhere else in public is disgusting. Good point. Mm. Um, but I do sometimes get a residue of spittle and I would like to evacuate it. Sometimes I do it into a tissue, sometimes I do it into a bin, but more frequently I feel more comfortable doing it into a toilet because into a toilet it's not frowned upon yep. um, and it feels quite satisfying to spit into a toilet. You see it go straight away cleanly. Yep. Um, it, when it's a communal urinal like a trough, it's not so nice. But if you've mm. got your own personal pot, uh, I feel that's a safe and hygienic way to evacuate fluid from my mouth. Do you enjoy seeing the splosh when it goes into a, a toilet? Enjoy is too strong a word. Relish. Um, <laughs> Revel in. Uh, no, none of the above. Simply divine. I, I is, just, it like, is it like an Amelie thing, isn't it? It's like the same satisfaction you get from popping the lid off a bottle of beer. So satisfaction small, is the right word, yes. Small tactile You get a small pleasure. amount of satisfaction yeah, yeah. from it. Satisfaction and evacuation. Indeed. So that's the first reason. Right. And the second reason is I find that uh, by evacuating liquid from my mouth into the, into the rhinal, mm. uh, I am simulating the effect that I'm about to to follow up with with my urinary contribution uh, <laughs> there's like a little clue of the throat before you uh, before i follow you, on you go into the aria yes yeah, yeah. and i find that that helps me relax and get in mode um, I think I can do this Guys we can do this so if I'm, Yeah Because so you're the kind of guy That talks to his penis At your final <laughs> <laughs> No but it, If I'm feeling a bit Paraureutic that day uh, I can think words. Right okay Relax It's okay We're here to piss You know You're taking your time You've evacuated Let's walk up to this Let's yeah Let's, Let, uh, let's try I'll, one from every orifice Before we go to the main event No but you know how Sometimes if you're struggling You can think about A water fountain It's more likely to happen yeah, right? yeah, Or a yeah. waterfall You know Whereas if you're talking to someone Or looking around Less likely to happen It's that If you're looking at liquid Coming out your body And you're following through With more liquid It helps So those the so two you're, reasons you're, is that physics martin no i, I more thought, was thinking of if it's an unfamiliar urinal yeah and you're a little bit concerned about getting a lot of splash back yes or pissing on your own feet yes you want to just kind of go what's the what's the if i if liquid comes out of my body what's the arc it's going to follow the trajectory, to yeah. go into the uh, to go into the urinal it's the canary down the mine yeah it's, <laughs> it's like firing a test shot across the bows yeah okay yeah well I, maybe there's that element going on somewhere in the back of my brain as well but not not Purposefully. I have got pretty good physical intuition, I think, at this yeah. point, so I just go straight for it. But yeah, I can well, understand I mean, if you're know. not a physicist why you would do that. It's also habit forming, I think, is the other thing. You know. Like heroin. Um yeah, or Steve Wright in the afternoon. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> whatever He's going to be so flattered if he ever discovers the comparison. You know, whatever it is that you do on a daily basis, you know, based on environments. I think if you if it becomes psychosomatic, you see the piss and the, you see the spit and then you follow with piss. You know, it becomes part of the pattern. Oh, like you Pavlovian. Want to replicate that. Mm. Pavlovian, exactly. Mm. Yes, yeah. Like heroin or Steve right in the afternoon. <laughs> or Pavlova. <laughs> I've got a question. Email your question. You answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. You answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. You answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Right, here's a question from Darius and Claudia writing from Shanghai uh, but I assume they're not from Shanghai I assume they're staying in a hotel there because they say Helen answer me this why are the glasses for orange juice at hotel buffets so bloody small um, more often than not you are on holiday and hence hungover and in need of lots of liquid well first of all I'd love it if more often than not that I was on holiday 
but more often than not, I'm not on holiday. And more often than not, you're never hungover. I've never, I've never been hungover on holiday. I can't imagine it. Martin was hungover when he had a beer at ten in the morning, but that meant the, the breakfast orange juice was a whole day away. I just went and had a lie down. It was fine. I, I had my once in a decade spewing up from alcohol hangover uh, wow. just the other week. Wow. Congratulations! And I managed to do it all over a VIP queue of PR people at the V Festival. <laughs> Ideal. Free yeah. for vom. It was, it was a great, it was a great way to introduce myself into the backstage area. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> Hello, Jesse J. <Jay. laughs> <laughs> anyway, Darius and Claudia continue. Uh, you know, when you're hungover, when you're on holiday, you're necking back orange juice, three or four glasses, they say, before finally taking another two or three glasses to the table. So they're drinking <laughs> three seven or four glasses, glasses of juice. But at, at, standing at the buffet, they're knocking back the juice. That's insane. I love doing that. They continue. The obvious answer to this, this pressing question as to why hotels <laughs> provide small glasses uh, is that they're trying to save money and hence not provide big glasses. They're trying to save waste juice too. However, we don't buy that since plates are often normal size <laughs> and a few extra glasses of juice is not going to break the bank. I wish Alan Partridge was real and went on holiday with these guys. <laughs> I think you're Got mis- my big glass. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're misunderstanding buffet psychology mm. here um, because... I think the psychology for most of us, even when we're told eat and drink as much as you like, is we fill the plate. Yes. That's why they provide smaller plates. That's the reason. And you're right, it's not going to break the bank for one person, for you, to give you a larger glass. But across, say, a year of people getting orange juice, that might save them a few hundred quid. And so it's worth it, isn't it, when they're choosing yeah. cutlery? That's, that's the reason. Also, unlike most of the food on the buffet... Even in, uh, I'd imagine that they can use the orange juice on the subsequent day, whereas the fried yes. eggs, mm, not yeah. so much. Good point. And also, I imagine once it's made contact with the air, you can't. Mm. You know, you need to keep it inside the receptacle as long as possible. You don't want extra juice being poured out into glasses that isn't going to get drunk. Yeah, you just don't want to come out and clear the room and there are three-quarter full pint glasses of orange juice to you because it's, it's an expensive product compared that, to a lot of the breakfast products. That said, although I understand buffet psychology, yes, as I have just illustrated... You do, an expert. Thank you. <laughs> if only I could. Uh, I went to the Pizza Heart Salad Buffet the other day. Oh, did you? Um... It's a fiver. I was on the Strand. I wanted a salad. It seemed to tick boxes for me. Even though there's a branch of Leon on the Strand. Yeah, but you can't sit in Leon for two hours listening to music from 15 years ago that you don't hear very often and no one bother you. You make a strong case. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went in to have the salad bar. I know it's basic, but I was happy. And these Mm. days you get couscous on a pizza salad bar. I know, truly we are all middle class now. They've joined the 90s. (laughs) Um, And I paid for a main course salad bar. And that's fiver. And that's a fiver. Uh Good deal. What size plate? Now, well, this is the issue. What they have as a standard salad bar receptacle Mm -hmm. is a small bowl. Very round, I'm imagining. Very round, small bowl. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit like a cereal bowl, really. Mm -hmm. And that's because, and I understand this as well, like I say, I understand buffet psychology. That's because... (laughs) Bloody do. Most most people who get a salad bar in Pizza Hut are getting it as a freebie with a pizza. For them, it's just a sideshow. Indeed. And they want to discourage you picking out on the salad because they want you to eat the pizza because that's cheaper for them. And then they want you to buy Ice Cream Factory, but by, by the time you actually get it, be too full to consume much. Which is fine. However... I, the health-conscious consumer, had gone in there and asked for a main course salad bar, you know, something other people literally get for free. I'm willing to pay a fiver for it. Wow. I think I should be allowed a plate. Hmm. But no, I had to go up and help myself using a bowl. So to have a main course salad... Oh, the humanity! (laughs) You know what? You could have popped into the paper chase that's just down the way, bought a plate, decanted your salad bowl onto the plate. And of course, that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What I actually did is um, the staff were quite busy and uh, didn't seem that bothered. So I uh, I reached down into where I noticed the staff keep the plates (gasps) next to the salad bar. So if anyone asks for an extra plate for their pizza... 
I took one of those and I put the salad on there. I thought, I'm not going to keep filling up a bowl and emptying it onto a plate. I feel like an idiot. Yeah, you're wasting time. Exactly. And I didn't eat any more salad than I would have otherwise. Well, there's no control experiment. That said, you know, I've become an expert of the down market salad bar recently. You are the buffet psychologist, the the foremost buffet psychologist of your generation. (laughs) May I say... One must research. Snobs are missing out on the Harvester meal deal. Mm. Uh, £11 for half chicken, chips unlimited salad a pint of carling and a giant chocolate sundae oh, God. that's wow. extraordinary is that the original spit roast uh, no it's, it's similar to the original spit roast oh. and uh, how much though to get them to call an ambulance for you afterwards <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be £200 for the phone call <laughs> also returning to uh, Darius and Claudia's question you can fit more small glasses into an industrial dishwasher than large ones you know, oh, if you're getting a lot of, of people through the hotel, yes. you need the glasses to come back quickly. Do you think because the small glasses have a lower centre of gravity, there's less opportunity for hungover guests to commit acts of spillage? Mm. Mm. Also, uh, another area we haven't really discussed here. <laughs> Such so a much rich to say. vein. <laughs> yes. Often, breakfast buff. I know in a three-star hotel, probably it would just be orange juice. Mm-hmm. But in a four- or five-star hotel, often Great there'll fruit. be a selection. Yes, yeah. you want to go back, you want to try them all. Exactly. Not and the so apple, because it's always that weird sugar water stuff. Yeah. Rubbish. Ugh. <laughs> uh, but because they're small glasses, I think you are more inclined to try a bit of everything. And that's quite nice about yeah. a hotel buffet, isn't it? Like, I would never have cold meat for breakfast at home. But since it's there, I'll have a little bit. I'd never have cheese for breakfast home. Since it's there, I'll have a bit. But when in Rome... Exactly. Bring salami for breakfast, I think I will. Yeah. Actually, actually, Rome is not renowned for its breakfasts. No, probably not. Mm. Italy, they don't go for it so much. But I wouldn't know that, uh, like Bob Dylan, as mm. I get older, I like grapefruit juice. Does Bob Dylan like grapefruit juice? No, I like Bob Dylan. Now I'm getting older. Really? You a do? Bit. Yeah, oh. A bit. When did you start liking Bob Dylan? I was listening to Absolute 60s the other day and a track came on and I was like, oh, that's quite good. Shit, it's Bob Dylan. <laughs> what oh, have no. I become? Who am I? <laughs> I'm a lie to myself. It's okay, Ollie. It's, it was like a Rolling Stone. It's mainstream. <laughs> and it wasn't. It wasn't. Wow. It was one that I didn't know. But I thought was this it, is quite was good. Was it under 10 minutes long? Because yeah, that yeah. will help date it. It was a two minute pop song. Yeah, okay. From the 60s. Al- almost certainly early 60s. Yeah. But, but I, I thought, fuck, I'm really changing. And, and if it weren't for the Holiday in Media City offering a very small serving of grapefruit juice so that I could try a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the absolute 60s of the juice world for me. I tried mm. it and I thought, oh, actually, yeah, grapefruit. It's all right. My taste buds oh, are changing as I, I love, get older. I love grapefruit juice for breakfast. So yeah, you're it's, older. it's like a slap in the face with a wet cold, isn't it? <laughs> well, we're sticking with the breakfast theme for today's intermission, which is from episode 20 from way back in 2007. And it's available now, as are all of our first 170 episodes and our albums, at answermethisstore.com. And if you buy anything from there, you're supporting this show. So well done, you. Regular question in Nick. He says, Helen, answer me this. Where does the word, or maybe even the substance, muesli come from? <laughs> I can't imagine a culture, he says, where all that oat and rusk crap is so readily available and would come up with a word like muesli. Well, that's because Nick can't imagine Switzerland, <laughs> which is where muesli was invented. Well, actually, I think I've got a bit of a mental block on Switzerland as well. It's just too neutral for you to be able to take in. Yeah. The word <laughs> comes from a German word that meant mush. I can also tell you that muesli was invented in the early 1900s by the Swiss doctor Maximilian Bercher-Benner, and it was to feed invalids and fill them up with lots of vitamins and carbohydrates. Well, what do you mean to feed invalids? Well, because, you know, they can't digest real food that tastes nice, so they have to eat stuff that looks like um, horse biscuits <laughs> god doesn't rain it pours eh can you imagine got TB you're in a sanatorium you wouldn't want some muesli it's the last thing you'd want you might want a kinder surprise just to cheer up your days <laughs> yeah. as you're being sat on the side of a mountain with fresh air going through your damaged lungs yeah <laughs> 
Shall we take a question from our phone line, Helen? I feel like it's time. I feel like it's time. I'm glad you said that. If you'd said no, I don't know what I would have done. You would have just steamed ahead regardless. <laughs> and if you want to ask us a question using your voice rather than your email skills, then uh, you call this number. Oh two oh eight one two three five eight double seven. Will you Skype answer me this? It's reassuring to think about email as a skill. Makes me feel I have one more thing to offer the world. Uh, it's Ben from North Norfolk. Uh, I was taking a walk at the beach after work and um, I was thinking about sea monkeys. I had them on a couple of occasions as a child and as far as I can remember, you seemingly create life out of a packet mix. So, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. How are sea monkeys a thing? How is that physically possible? I'm surprised that Ben had sea monkeys a couple of times because... I think once is really giving you the gist of sea monkeys. <laughs> and the repeat is only going to be even more disappointing than the original time. Did you have sea monkeys? No, you know, they're on my very long list of toys that I was deprived as a child. Wow, and yet I had them. Well, if it's any comfort, Ollie, sea monkeys are an awful toy because... They're on... not a toy, they're living creatures. Yeah, because they're living creatures, not a toy. But they're horrible <laughs> living creatures because they're just, they're just shrimps. So on the box, they're these cute little slightly alien smiley creatures. Triumph of marketing, isn't it? Yeah, what they grow into are small beige, skinny shrimps yes. and apparently the guy who marketed them just called them sea monkeys because they have long tails that's like monkeys and yet they've got the front end of a horrible insect didn't go with that did he but i think it is remarkable that something can be freeze-dried is it eggs then it's shrimp eggs yeah, you add to yeah. water so it's it's a kind of brine shrimp and their eggs uh, go into a state known as cryptobiosis which um various uh, species can do if uh, conditions are adverse for instance there's no food or the weather is too freezing or too hot for them to survive yeah. or dehydration so they artificially induce that into this particular hybrid of brine shrimps that this guy invented well of course called... we can do that can't we if you freeze semen or eggs whereas these are the eggs ready to hatch oh okay way. oh right um and then you put them in the water can't be tap water because the copper will kill the sea monkeys yeah with the special food stuff which is just like spirulina and something else yeah and they hatch into horrible little shrimps and... i think that's kind of a brilliant yeah, thing to, uh, for kids to do though sure yeah the idea is brilliant but actually what you've got is just something you can look at that that is ugly but it was invented in 1957 by harold von Braunhut. Uh, who was an American mail-order marketer and inventor, and he had 196 patents for... um, Like, one of them was that, you know, when you uh, get this card with a face on it and you get it wet and crystals grow out like hair? Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Get one of those. And he also uh, created X-ray specs. And also, he had a patent just for hermit crabs I bet you he can't was patent really... those wow. I bet he was really irritating at a party yeah. and also like, look what I got yeah. it's like look, oh look, just put it away look at my patented invisible goldfish guaranteed to stay invisible <laughs> what a dick you'd just be like has anyone got a fork and he'd be I have yeah. bendy fork just go away look at me 196 bad jokes patented <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah he marketed them as instant life and then changed it to sea monkeys presumably because more kids want monkeys than something that sounds like a biblical miracle and I read that what he did which was interesting and I guess linked the x-ray specs to the sea monkeys was mm. he used to spend a lot of advertising in comic books yes before anyone ingenious. else had thought about doing that yeah seems obvious now isn't it? i mean it's comic con now isn't it? it's grown yeah. to be a massive industry but at the time the idea of targeting squarely basically 11 year old geeks yeah i wonder whether there was a sort of taboo about advertising directly to kids but i think it meant that he could introduce this sci-fi adventure yes idea Flavor. to, to mm, a to packet a of freeze-dried shrimp yeah, cysts yeah. So that's right. Well There's a him. sense that they're like from another earth, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they still have that in the way they're marketed now. Although the thing is, I get why parents think it's a good idea for their children to have a gerbil or a bunny rabbit because it teaches the value of life. Because inevitably, at some point during the ownership, the 
Death. The, the pet's going to die. Yeah. And that's supposed to be one of the life lessons that your children learn by looking after a small furry thing. And also they realise the responsibilities of looking after a real life furry thing. Indeed. And yet it seems to me that sea monkeys is almost the exact opposite lesson of that. Thankless. Completely thankless. They die and then you just go and buy another one from Tesco for a tenner. You no. have no emotional attachment to it. You can get it. free refills. Can you? Yes. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Well, see, even worse then. There's no emotional connection and you don't learn anything about responsibility because they're going to hatch whatever you do, yeah. basically, so long as you follow the instructions. The only interest is seeing what a tub full of water that you've poured a sachet of what looks like dust into eight days later is full of beige shrimps mm. after you've had that realization like wow yeah where are you going from there at least where when you, you grow yeah. cress on a damp piece of kitchen paper like wow a plant's growing on kitchen paper you can eat it <laughs> how do the, the shrimps live for they can live for quite a long time and the eggs can stay valid for years so if you've got an old set of sea monkeys that you haven't animated yet they could still be good mm. wow it sort of gives you a bit of a god complex doesn't it I will bring yes. life to these creatures when I feel like it now why do you think no one gave you sea monkeys when you're a child <laughs> but again the opposite lesson you want a kid to have really from owning a pet but it shows you that being the lord of a world full of living creatures is quite boring has its responsibilities yep. as well yep. yeah being god is not as yeah. much fun as you think it no, is just looking at these little dicks wandering around <laughs> nothing of interest can't even contemplate your incredible intelligence obviously i did cast them out the garden of eden i at the age of 10 rescued in inverted commas a worm uh from the garden of my boarding house you kidnapped a worm yeah and i thought i'd look after it as a pet and i called it freddy and i put it in um like a tupperware container you fritzled it um yeah uh, I didn't put holes in the lid and I didn't <gasps> feed it. <laughs> um, I just thought if I had some mud in some Tupperware, that that's what it's like outside. What would be the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The worm will live in so it. So you, you put some mud in the Tupperware? Yeah. And, oh, no, 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 absolutely. I put mud and grass and everything so I thought you, Freddie would need to live. You basically made a hospice. Yeah, well, so I basically made a gas chamber for the worm. <laughs> you made a Swiss clinic for um, worm. <laughs> and I, I thought that that's all it would need and I, I thought I was liberating it in some strange way because it was, you well, know, it had guarantees. liberating it from life. the hell that is being alive. Yeah. Anyway, I, I kept it under my bed in the boarding house oh, God. <laughs> for a week without looking at it. Did you tell anyone about it? No, because, you know, I knew that we weren't allowed pets and I'd be in trouble if I did. Uh-huh. Um, oh, you just you just wanted something to love. Yeah, exactly. It's um, beautiful in and a way. And anyway, a week later, I opened up the Tupperware to see how Freddie was doing and there was just this massive furry decomposed worm there. And mud. Oh. Yeah. Were you sad? Um, Were you like, Freddie, you left me, you bastard. They all leave. They I, all leave. I was sad, but I instantly realised it was my fault. I realised what had happened here is I'd killed a worm. And how, try as I might, I couldn't really recontextualise that to tell another story here. But then were you like, Freddie, it was your fault for crawling into my hands. <laughs> you, you were victim-blaming Freddie. No, it was humbling. I, what humbling. I didn't do is I didn't think... And I think this is what makes me different from the serial killers that you mentioned. <laughs> I think what I didn't do is think, oh, well, that one didn't work, I'll try again. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at risk that I might bigger. kill it again. Yeah, I, I thought, right, okay. I'm killing things here. That was the opposite of my intention. I'm going to stop. So when you got Coco, mm. your cat, you did. You thought, I'm not going to keep her in Tupperware? Uh, no, I didn't even have that thought, Helen. You'll be good, pleased to know. Good, It didn't even occur to me. You've really come a long way. I have. I put my picture on Tinder, but nobody swiped right. I went on Match and OkCupid, okay, no suitors would bite. My body clock is ticking and I need to find my Mr. Right. Or at least a willing donor. With a personal website built through squarespace.com, you can edit text and pictures till you look like the bomb. And if you don't find a man, at least be comforted by the peeping toms. It's a cold comfort, I just want to be loved. 
Thanks be to Squarespace.com for supporting this episode of Answer Me This and for beautifying the web with their easily customizable websites. You can enjoy all the possibilities of those during a free two-week trial. And then if you want to sign up for one of their excellent hosting packages, use the code ANSWER to get 10% off for a whole year. Right, Ollie, what's next on the question conveyor belt? Following our discussions about bridal bouquets uh, and also, I guess, the general onslaught of summer weddings uh, onslaught <laughs> well it can <laughs> feel like that the hounds. <laughs> it can feel like that when you go to wedding after wedding in the summer yeah um we have received quite a lot of questions of weddings people uh, over the will past few weeks insist having them and inviting <laughs> people to them and that creates queries it doesn't does it, it? Uh, anyway we've had quite a few questions of weddings so we're going to try and get through as many as we can yes uh, this is from claire in alastock who says helen answer me this who is responsible for supplying the confetti at a wedding the person in charge of all of the armaments I thought the bride and groom, continues Claire, bought it for their guests and left it on the side for them to pick up before or after the ceremony. Uh, But when I told my mum and fiancé this, they looked at me like I was mad (laughs) uh, and said that the guests bring their own confetti. It's terribly infradig to provide confetti for the guests. I've never even heard this tradition before, says Claire, and none of the online suppliers for things like confetti and chair covers and all the other random shit you apparently need... Resist the chair covers! Down with chair covers! ...seem to be picked at wedding guests um it's honestly i i've never known the codification of confetti because i've never bought it i've it's never just even, there isn't yeah, it i've never even thought to buy it and yet it is always there i bet if no one bought it it would still be there somehow i don't even know if there was confetti at our own wedding can you remember martin were we confetted i think so no i think it's the responsibility of the best man in the ushers Best man. Really? God, I now I feel bad because I've been best man twice and not even thought about it. I was, I was oh, well, thinking, maybe head to make yeah, it, one of those. It feels but. like the kind of thing that would more likely fall to the women, doesn't it? And mm. in fact, thinking about it now, I've usually been offered confetti by women who are attached to the bridal party but not in an official capacity. Yes, me too. Maybe a sister-in-law but not a bridesmaid. I think what you just said would sound sexist if I'd said it. Why is it something that naturally falls to the women? Uh, because uh, in broad brushstrokes, I don't think I've ever seen a man willingly acknowledge the presence of confetti. Yeah, well, imagine how how upset the confetti-loving men of this world that are listening to this podcast are now, Helen, that you're judging them. Maybe they'll start making confetti in masculine shapes, like racing cars. Penises. <laughs> I really like confetti. Why? Do you? Why? Yeah, why? It's great. It's just why is it great? Everything feels like a party when there's confetti. Everyone looks going like on. they've got loads of dandruff. When the confetti's fallen on them. I do like it at a pop gig when you're not expecting it and there's a confetti oh, explosion. silver confetti? Yeah. Sure, yeah. different. Yeah. But at a wedding, the you paper, are expecting yeah. it. You feel like you're in a winter wonderland of multiple No, colors. you don't. Okay, <laughs> right. Here's the distinction. At a pop concert, when it explodes, it comes out of a massive gun and showers the whole audience and that's fun. At a wedding, three middle-aged women throw it out their hands and it comes out in clumps. That's not the same. So take a confetti gun to the wedding. Confetti then you'd have a better time. If weddings had confetti guns, I'm in. I'd heard dry flower petals is the new thing at the moment. Well, I think because they don't kill birds. They're, not, they're biodegradable as well, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I've been to a wedding where they threw rice, and uh, which is traditional in a lot of places, mm. but it's quite painful for the bride and groom to receive, particularly yes. in the eye. <laughs> and uh, also I think if the birds eat it, then they can die. As we've covered in a past in- episode. Indeed. Um, Good to recap it, though. It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, we've got to do our bit for the birds. It's so synonymous as well with weddings confetti, isn't it? Even though it does get used at sporting events and other things. Yep. Kind of like popcorn with cinema. Yeah, pop- people yep. eat popcorn. It's, it's one of the big snack trends of the year. Yes. And yet still, you say popcorn, you think cinema, you say confetti, you think wedding. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because it's such an unnecessary thing and, again, feeds into this novelty of things you do at weddings. It's like fancy rain. Like seat covers. Like seat covers. Oh, Why do they make you so angry? 
Why? Oh, do you really want me to get into this, Ollie? Do you yes, really please. want me to? Because I'm going to start smashing stuff because <laughs> that's so completely unnecessary. People obsess over. Well, I don't know. We're like, how much? How much am I going to spend on seat covers? No one cares. Anyone at the wedding, if their enjoyment is spoiled by the appearance of the chairs, you failed at every other aspect of the wedding. True, but almost everything about the presentational aspects of a party, pin lighting, wedding favors, the cake—it's all unnecessary, yeah, but, really. But, yeah, but cake is nice to eat. Chair covers are Alcohol, ugly. Alcohol, that's necessary. Yes. Cameras, necessary. And People. the marriage vows. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is gratuitous, so why not think about seat covers if you can? They're a flashpoint for me. Here is my favourite sentence from the Wikipedia article about confetti. Okay. Uh, confetti are commonly used at social gatherings such as parties, weddings, and bar mitzvahs, but are considered taboo at funerals. I just love the idea that anyone's ever tried that. Do you think there's been a niche for black funeral yeah. confetti? Throw little lumps of coal. Oh, that'd be like a sort of maybe at a New Orleans funeral when you have the wake with a big brass band and yeah. people start chucking black confetti around. That'd be great. People say, don't they? I don't want it to be a funeral. I want it to be a celebration in my life. Chuck they my say ashes that. around like confetti. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, no one's in the mood. Um, here's another question of weddings. It's from Stephen who says, In October, I am marrying my partner Digby. Congratulations. Our six nieces are going to put on lovely dresses and do their hair all fancy and proceed us down the aisle but what does this make them (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Uh, they can't be bridesmaids as there is no bride Uh, and groomsmaids just sounds wrong grooms ladies well i don't know i mean look gay marriage sounds wrong to a lot of people the point is you are blazing a trail you know you should just go with it if you're having a groomsmaid why not people have got to get used to the terminology haven't they um they're also too old he says age 22 to 13 to be flower girls and too young to be maids of honor so helen answer me this what do you call female aisle proceeders not that <laughs> uh, in gay weddings for your information we are calling our best men best people as some of them are also women for a long time people have called bridesmaid-ish people attendants attendants it's not a nice like someone that works on a toilet is that mm. too flight attendant-y what about uh, entourage entourage yeah. is quite I mean the thing is look I think that the, the whole point of gay marriage Posse. <laughs> the whole point of equal marriage as opposed to just civil partnership yeah. uh, was that there there are people who wanted a marriage that was on equal terms with what a man and a woman can do mm-hmm. that weren't happy with just shine, signing a piece of paper and wanted the ceremony to be exactly the same on that basis if you're calling it a marriage then why not call them bridesmaids the fact that isn't a bride isn't that a bit technical like you know like when when you have a female chairman you know, yeah. I just think when but people call start calling chair, them chair... Right? Yeah, but yeah. it's just bollocks, isn't it? Everyone knows what no, bridesmaid means, no. so why can't you have bridesmaids without a bride? What's the problem? So do you think the, the usage has effectively devolved away from the bride? Absolutely. Everyone knows what a bridesmaid is. Also, the term maid is kind of offensive, isn't it? Well, exactly. It? Yeah, well, you know my position on this. I find yeah. lots of things about the wedding ceremony very weird. If you're going to do it, just do it. But I would say groomsmaid is the equivalent so if you insist on changing it then that is fine what about acolytes or (laughs) or what about sputniks (laughs) why sputniks means uh traveling companions yeah but you can't provide a glossary for everyone in the audience ellen here's another question of weddings from will in oxford who says there is a charity shop near me that seems to specialize in secondhand wedding dresses at least the window display is always full of them maybe they've just got three and they never sell Uh, (laughs) it is one of those items that is a destination shop I mean, you're not yeah. shopping generally in cancer research, are you? And you think, right, I've got a copy of Adrian Mole. Um, I need a Toby jug. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, yes, a wedding dress. 
So, I mean, at least if you're advertising the fact that you do secondhand wedding dresses, yeah. you know, put them in the window, makes sense. Yeah, probably one of the more expensive items as well. Exactly. Well, Will says, to me, this seems to suggest a cavalcade of broken marriages in the local area. <laughs> so, Wally, answer me this. Is there a more positive explanation for this, or am I living in a hotspot for divorce? You're actually not living in a hotspot for divorce. Um, How does Oxford score? Uh, well, the most recent Office for National Statistics top 10 hotspots for divorcees. Um, although this, of course, doesn't mean that they got divorced in that area because Ooh. they could get divorced and move to a nicer place. Oh, so it's just where divorcees are living post-divorce. Indeed. The highest proportion of divorcees is Blackpool. Oh. Uh, 13.1% of the population divorced there. Interesting. Um, Something in, to do, I guess. <laughs> in Hastings, it's 12.8%. Oh, that's um, sad. They couldn't make a go of it amongst all those wonderful charity shops and funicular. And what's interesting, actually, is almost all of the top ten are seaside towns. Mm. Uh, the rest are Torbay, Weymouth, Portland... Thanet, Gosport, Eastbourne, Great Yarmouth and Worthing. Do you think it's just that people um, get divorced and then they're like, I'm going to go and live by the seaside and be free? I think that might be more. Well, they might, maybe they get married in a fever by, and because of the excitement of the seaside and then they go, well, actually, I don't really want to marry this person. I just wanted to live by the seaside. Yeah. If we were living in a shanty, then their wives would all drown, but I don't think that's really what happened. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, uh, in Oxford, I, I don't know that it is particularly a hotspot for divorce. It's certainly not a hotspot for getting together, is it? It's like the ninth least pullingest university. As a student, that's the case. I imagine if you're a non-student trying to get it on with students, you'd probably be more lucky in that regard. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, in terms of the second-hand bridal costume bit... Doesn't mean their marriages have broken apart. Not everyone wants to keep their wedding dress. They take up a lot of room in many cases. Some people actually, for whatever reason, and I, I find it hard to relate to this, but I'm not married and I'm not a woman and I've never bought a wedding dress, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, some people seem to feel that the idea of, of this dress that they have so many memories, fond memories mm. of, you know, even if they have a happy marriage, hanging in their cupboard never being worn again is sad. Yes. You know, that it's... It, it it's made... like keeping dead skin. Yeah, and they see it almost as their duty, like a blood donation or something. You know, I had a happy day out of yeah. this and I want someone else to benefit from it who couldn't afford it. And that's why they actually sell them. Uh, yes. Or indeed give them that's charity quite, That's shops. quite a nice uh, gesture, isn't it? Yeah. Or they may be the wedding dresses of people who are dead. Well, maybe you should look at that, Will. Cavalcade of uh, spousicide. <laughs> Yours was vintage, wasn't it? Yes. And so I'm... effectively, that's a second-hand dress, even though it wasn't designed as a wedding dress. No, exactly. I'm not sure it was explicitly wedding. Uh, so I've still got it because it doesn't take up a lot of cupboard space. And But I can't imagine wearing it again, even though it's the kind of dress I could get away with wearing again. So I feel that if people saw me wearing my wedding dress, they were like... Helen's out in her wedding dress. What does this say about her mental state? <laughs> I think if you just put the right bright for that, people, people probably wouldn't pick up on that. Yeah, it was green, wasn't it, from memory? No. Oh, purple. No. <laughs> it was... Uh, Don't describe what? it, because then when you do go out in it, people are going to go, Helen's yeah. gone mad. It was an orange jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was very becoming. Down and lonely Life is so confusing I need some answers Preferably amusing. Now I find a podcast that will suit. I listen to Helen and Ali on my half hour commute. Here's a question from a nosy parent who says We have a teenage daughter who is continuing to push the boundaries we set her along with our nerves. She's not pushing your boundaries, you just don't understand her. Uh. Oh, it's so embarrassing! <laughs> <laughs> and she has recently started to attend numerous, inverted commas, gatherings mm. with her social group. I'm sure that it's just a book club. That's probably what's going on there. Maybe they uh, take food to the needy. 
<laughs> That'll be it. These parties, as we used to call them... Always good, isn't it, this nosy parent? ...are basically an excuse to drink, smoke... And generally get up to no good. Unless they're anything like I was as a teenager. And actually, you know, the parties which my dad assumed were non-stop orgies yeah. <laughs> uh, were essentially us ordering a pizza from Domino's and then watching the yeah. box until sunrise came. Yes, we would play Worms. <laughs> uh, we watched The Prisoner on VHS. Uh-huh. Oh, good pretty, choice. Pretty racy stuff. I mean, yeah. there were occasional racy elements, but... Yes. Uh, Oh, don't get me wrong, Helen. There was the odd fingering. <laughs> I'm just picking saying. your nose. <laughs> nosy parent says, whilst I accept that all teenagers go through this, mm. apart from the ones who are really failing at being a teenager, and pretty much all parents have the trauma of picking up little Johnny drunk off his head and lying face down in his own vomit at some point in their teenage years, yeah. we have become increasingly concerned as our daughter is now lying about where she's going. Well, that's part of it as well, isn't it? Actually, did you never used to lie a bit about where you were going as a teenager? I'm not sure I lied about much serious. I just didn't tell no. the truth. Exactly. Different. I withheld the truth, which Indeed. is different. If they asked specifically, where were you at three o'clock in the morning? I'd have to say, Steve in his leisure park, trying to kiss a 24-year-old. But, <laughs> <laughs> if they, but if they didn't ask, I'd just be like, well, we're going out for the weekend. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. I didn't want to give them the details. It was just like, yeah, well, it's, it's next to a bowling centre, so let them think we're going yeah. bowling. And also, because my parents supplied booze and privacy, usually yeah. my friends were at my house, and uh, they knew that I wasn't much a drinker so mm. it was fine as lovely as she is nosy parent continues she is the world's worst liar no she's not because martin is and her friends have proved to be even more rubbish at covering for each other to the point where we recently received a phone call from phil her friend's father reassuring us that she was staying with her friend at his house sounds perfectly kosher to me so far well now phil sounded suspiciously like our daughter putting on a man's voice whilst drunk <laughs> <laughs> slow claps oh, so dear. not very convincing to say the least is it not at all reassuring to you nosy parent that teenagers are still massive idiots are still rubbish they yeah. seem sophisticated but they're capable of that kind of folly yeah just because it looks good in home alone too you know just because that you think there's a dictaphone out there that can change your voice on the phone yeah. there isn't the nosy parent says this has led us to start tracking our daughter via her iphone whoa yeah suddenly jumped on a league haven't mm-hmm. we this is all going very friendly and familiar suddenly we're in state surveillance territory my parents didn't have that option no uh, please my parents didn't have that option i'd have to do the text back for them <laughs> dreadful <laughs> as we set the phone up in the first place and are aware of her login details for itunes we can use the find my phone app oh. to search for her location <laughs> this has proved useful in checking her whereabouts on many occasions i bet it has it is so accurate we can even check if she's still in bed or has made it to the kitchen if we're away from home we can even check if she still loves big brother <laughs> and whether she devotes her soul to the party do your exercises <laughs> so ollie answer me this are we breaching her trust by tracking her? Yes, clearly or, yes. Or just making use of the technology available to ensure the continued safety of our daughter? Well, both. One day we will confess to her, but mm. for now it is the best way to check where she is at any given time. Yes, yeah, so, difficult. Yes, yeah, so I don't blame you for this. Mm. Um, uh, but you're doing both. The things are not mutually exclusive. You are breaching her trust. Uh, you are also doing it out of... The right intentions. Exactly, and the continued safety of your daughter. So, uh, you know... I understand why a parent would make use of that technology since it, since it exists. I also understand why the same parent would not tell their presumably increasingly hormonal teenage daughter what mm. they're doing. Uh, and also because, uh, although she may not be tech-savvy enough to be able to track when you're tracking her, mm. she would be tech-savvy enough to beat you at this game if she knew that you were looking. Maybe she'd start going to really weird places just to freak you out more. Yeah, like yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd see her at uh, some really dodgy tattoo parlours yeah. or something <laughs> just because she knew you'd flip your shit. You could have some fun with that. She could strap her phone to a carrier pigeon and just leave it for a week. 
Yeah, I think that's what most teens would do, isn't it? Carrier pigeons. First thought. So I think if you told her, then she'd she'd flip out at you and she'd find a way technologically to stop you doing this. Is it not at all reassuring as well to see where she's going? Because you haven't actually said, and we found that she was out at an orgy. Exactly. I wonder whether if she's not in immediate danger, yes, she's drinking, Mm. yes, she's smoking, yes, she may be getting up to sexual things. But if it's not going to be unusually harmful, Mm. could you just say to her, look, we know you lied and that you were Phil... And that was ridiculous. If you can say this to her, not angrily. Yeah. You know, we'd appreciate it if we just knew where you were and we'll respect your freedom mm. as long as you respect our wish to know that you're safe and the fact that we're paying for your phone. Oh, teenagers. Yeah. What, what a hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people are so nostalgic about a time when you're so stupid and so angry. Yeah, well, I think people are nostalgic weirdly about the confusion of the time. I'd you know, actually, it's it's the fact that life wasn't simple in a strange sort of way. People look back yeah. on it and think life was simple because I didn't have responsibilities, I didn't have demands in the same way. But actually, I had a lot of hormones. That life were is emotionally everything. so much more complicated. Yeah, yeah and actually, you're, you're in a way that's actually what you're being nostalgic for is everything feeling fresh and vital. Well, yeah, it wasn't more complicated. It was just like an unstoppable force. The first time you'd felt these things, first time you'd felt that passion, first time you felt that drunk, first time you felt that confused. Yeah. Uh, whereas now we're all just jaded, cynical. Felt everything there is to feel. Yeah. Apart from worse. But the thing that takes us out of our shell, listeners, is when you send us a question. Every time is like the first time. That's right, yeah. <laughs> There's no cynicism at all, is there, Helen, when we're browsing through our inbox? We never say the words, oh, we've had this question a oh. hundred fucking times. Oh, never so- say that. I can't believe it. Someone sent us a picture of an AMT coffee kiosk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Heavens. <laughs> Some people want to know a thing about blind people. Where do the guide dog's dog poos go? <laughs> Ask a blind person. Mm. Um, but anyway, if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode of the podcast and you have got a good one up your sleeve... Do share it. Or wherever you keep it. Uh, all our contact details, as always, on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com And also on there, I'll stick a link to a Guardian Masterclass that I'll be participating in to teach people in a day all they need to know about podcasting. It'll be me and producer Chris from The Bugle and Jason Phipps, who makes Guardian Podcasts. Oh, that's a good lineup. And uh, Drew, the man who invented Reaper editing software. You've got to go if you're actually genuinely interested in podcasts. That sounds like a good day. I really wish it had been around when we were starting. Yeah. Otherwise, we might not have been groping around in the dark for nearly eight years as we have actually been good well check that out and come back uh, with uh, either your ears or your own podcast next time we'll be back in two weeks with answer me this episode 298 uh, oh and, and indeed thank you to squarespace for sponsoring this episode love you guys yeah so seriously. square so spacious <laughs> from the heart dudes bye, bye.